wanna dance by water neath the Mexican sky. Drink some margaritas by swing of blue lights. Listen to the mariachi play at midnight. Are you with me? Are you with me? All right, folks, we're back with another edition of the Red and White Podcast. Will, are you with me? I am here. <laughs> it's been a while. Do we remember how to do this? Barely was able to log into the Google Doc, so pretty good right. sign. It's funny, like typically, you know, over the years doing this podcast, after basketball season, after the tournament, things kind of slow down and my desire to record podcasts kind of wanes with it until, you know, midsummer and I'm amped for football again. But this year, it's been a lot going on, surprisingly. And, you know, you and I have texted back and forth. I'm like, yeah, we should probably put that on a, on audio at some point. But uh, we're back. It's It's been a little while. I can't promise you we'll do it again next week, but we'll do it again soon after this. Um, you know, it's a, it's a bit of relief and a bit of therapy from the world burning around us. So... Yeah, I, I'm happy to record. I feel like I, uh, it's funny, I, I, other than like kind of perusing the boards occasionally to kill time during the day, I've been so, so busy with work and I just have just not been tuned into sports at all. I don't listen to ES, watch ESPN or listen to sports radio or anything like that. So aside from like the podcast coming from the, uh, the, the paid content websites, um, it's been like a, like a little retirement, you know, a little vacation. Yeah. It, I, I was amazed. I basically turned off all of social media just for obvious reasons over the last few months. And I've been amazed how like much free time it brings up. You know, I'm like, I reach for my phone. I could pop open Twitter. I'm like, eh, I'm not going to do that. What should I do? I have all this free time now. So, yeah, that's where I am. That's where I am with things. Well, I've been restoring some power tools that I inherited from my neighbor that needed some loving care. So, the 70s and nice. 80s of power tools I've been having some fun with. But, uh, yeah, I know how it is. I'm a news junkie, so I've still been engaged. But it's just, uh, it's funny. I, I, you know, it, was just, it feels like it was just yesterday that I was flying back from Alabama right before this all really took off. God, um, I remember that, yeah. Yeah, and then I think that was when, yeah, because we were down there, and that's when UNC – uh, got its doors blown off and uh, ruined college basketball. It was so bad they just canceled it. <laughs> Can't have a tournament without the heels, no. so they they canceled it. They said no. Yeah, no I'm gonna stand by that one. Yeah, no blue bloods. Get out of here. Right. <laughs> oh man. Well, in the state world, we've had a lot going on. Uh, I mean, I don't even know where to begin. We've we've obviously football related. We've got a bunch of recruits. That's good. Um, you know, the, the last podcast we recorded was the the Will Shipley, um, I don't know what you want to call it, letdown episode. Uh, but they seem to recover, right? You know, there was a lot of well, all the questions we got were around, you know, why is recruiting going so poorly? And basically, it was like it's still early, right? It's May. It's like calm down, people. And most of that we talked about it because the heels jumped out to a bunch. Got a bunch of commitments, etc. And state fans didn't have anything else to do, so we started focusing on this. And you know, it was still early, and, and that proved right. Right, they landed a top quarterback on their board, Aaron McLaughlin. I think that's 
Um, you know, that one alone probably deserves some conversation. He's legit. And he's the kind of guy that other recruits want to play with. And I, I don't think we've talked about it yet. You know, that whole, his commitment, but I think it was outside of Shipley, the most important player in this class. Yeah. He's, Am I wrong? he's, he's, he's so legit. They knocked a star off of him. <laughs> Stupid. So I, stupid. I've like been watching this film and I'm just trying to figure it out. Like, I don't know what else you want to really see from a high school quarterback. I saw, I think Chad Simmons on, um, over on rivals was like, well, you know, we saw him, uh, like a few months back. I wanted to see him working on some stuff and doesn't seem like he had. And I was just like, well, it's been like quarantine time, but you know, like he's a big mobile quarterback and I've seen people with less tools win plenty of games in college. And I think he's the, he's like the exact prototype I've always asked for, which is, you know, I want someone that's big and mobile and has a big arm to take advantage of, of jump ball, deep ball shots. So right, I think it's good to balance him out with like the other guys that are already in the quarterback room that are, should be, I would think after this year, a little bit more accurate, a little bit more of your traditional, um, passers but uh yeah i mean it seems like i know a few of the commits weren't related uh just to him committing but it seems pretty clear that he's the kind of guy in a couple and uh crowell and a couple others that once you see them commit you say okay hey that actually does look like a safe landing spot yeah you know with mclaughlin and the the whole dropping his star thing. The chart came out and it went around Twitter about the biggest sites and the most money makers for 24-7. And Carolina's at the top of the list, mm-hmm. right? They make they draw a lot of money. And so of course everything, all the coverage is going to steer around those schools that are the biggest money generators for them, right? They're going to get the most clicks. They're going to get the most interest. So they're never going to give our guys a fair look, right? We see it happen all the time. Our guys commit and then their rankings go down. It's just be, just how it is, right? They want to bump up. It's not necessarily they're pushing our guys down, but they're pushing the other guys up. Uh, they're trying to make these other schools look good. And if you know you want to look at what recruiting's doing now, State's fourth in the ACC in average star rating. Right, they've landed McLaughlin, and then they got Crowell after that. Right, he's another highly rated guy, and you know, I just it's hard to it's hard for these sites to look at things objectively because they have you know their bottom lines to look after. Yeah, I mean, look, you can just I don't know if anyone happened to have ever been an Inside Carolina member, but you can go. If you ever were before the twenty four seven shift, uh, the amount of complaining that that website's moderators and owners did to scout about NC State's ranking rankings and being upset when a North Carolina prospect uh, dropped down in the rankings um, for the longest time, I was like, you know, I just can't believe that these guys think they have the kind of clout to be complaining at the level that they did, but. Um, yeah, when I saw that, that image go around, I was just like, well, of course, Eh, of course, but yeah, I'd be curious to see if most of their, uh, subscribers are basketball oriented versus the football. Um, oh, they gotta be, 
Right? They gotta be... It doesn't make sense that there's that many subscribers, to be honest. Uh, well, they gotta be... They've gotta be uh, basketball-oriented, but they look at the... You know, where's Carolina ranked in recruiting and all that stuff, just when the, the hype is around. Just things that they can throw around. Doesn't actually matter if they're any good, but this is what we're doing. Wow. Uh, to wave it in your face. I gotta say... They certainly got a lot of hype currently. I'm going to be really curious. Uh, I mean, all the coaches are saying it. It's it's going to be a huge season of decommits. I'll be really interested to see. You know, we flipped Nate Evans out of nowhere on Tennessee. I'd be really curious to see how long that holds up. Um, you know, Jordan Poole is making a decision soon. Um, you know, he strikes me as a guy that, could be a classic case of picking someone other than NC State and then coming back around to NC State by the end of the cycle. Um, it, yeah, it, it's going to be fascinating. I think just seeing how this spills out as the year progresses. You know, assuming that there's football. Yeah, the Nate Evans one was weird. Nobody saw that coming. Um, but uh, what's his name? God, I forgot. Coach. Oh, uh, DeFore- DeForest, right? Mitchell, I think, is what it was. Brian Mitchell. Okay, Mitchell. Brian Mitchell was on him, uh, this Nate Evans kid from Virginia, when he was at Virginia Tech, and apparently he built up a really good relationship with him and um, just just one of those things. But, yeah, Tennessee is going to be the perfect example of schools where, you know, they took everybody early, you know, both – you know, a lot of these guys, they didn't get, they don't get to camp. They don't get yeah. to have their senior years, you know, those sorts of things. And, you know, they're taking these guys just to, to hold their spot. Cause they're probably freaking out. You know, if I'm a kid and I don't know what to expect, I'm probably going to jump on an offer. Even if I'm not solid. Right. We saw that same thing happen with um, the running back McDowell from Georgia. He, he kid never came to campus or right? he's never visited. Yeah. That's a you, know, you can't expect these kids to stick. Right. So that's, um, I'm always wondering, I'll, I'll always be curious if we ever get some information on that. Like, did they just take that commitment because they were like, sure, uh, but they expected him to, to back out or not. But um, I mean, Tennessee's ploy is they just push everyone really hard and they jacked up their class like that. Um, I'm, you know, I'm sure the, the, uh, the run that, what, what would we call them? The bag men are running back and forth right now. Um those those classic SEC bagmen. So, uh, yeah, we'll we'll see how it rolls out. I guess what I was getting at is, don't be surprised if NC State loses some people. I you should be shocked if UNC doesn't lose people. Um, I think that's going to be a common story across the industry. Probably August, September, October timeframe. You know, assuming we get some normalcy at that point, football wise. Yeah, it's going to be a weird year, but I think from for the most heart, most heart, heart. It's been a while. Right from the heart, man. Uh, for the most, yeah, for the most part, recruiting seems to have picked up some momentum. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting. Um, I don't know. There, there seems to be some gaps here, right? It's not all peaches and cream and ice cream. I don't know what the saying is, but it's. Um, yeah, sorry, I've been drinking a little bit too much already. Just some cream. This is the, the old 112 song, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. We're derailing. Anyway, recruiting. Yeah, yeah, sorry. It's a hard podcast recruiting. when I'm the sober one. I get it. 
it's going to be um, it's just going to be interesting, man. I like I think they're doing a lot good, but there's still some areas that will probably probably could use some attention, right? I think running back recruiting is a bit of a concern. Uh, we can get into that a little bit more, a little bit, but uh, I, I think there's some there's some things to talk about there to explore. I'm, I'm not going to be a complete homer and say, "Hey, it's great, everything's fine." Uh, it's it's getting better, and it's you know this is what we expected uh, for. An, but I you know I, I will say like overall, I'm happy. Yeah. Currently, given a new staff, you know, no spring ball essentially, no real relationship building with these kids and. They're landing the guys that they, you know, they want to land that are in the area, right? And those are going to be the guys that are going to be more likely to stick. The ones you can have a relationship with and, you know, that are close by and, you know, those sorts of things. I, I really think location is going to be a big factor in a lot of recruits' minds as we get out of the back end of this pandemic. I think there's going to be some things where people are just like, yeah, I'd probably rather stay semi-close to home. Yeah, I was wondering, do you do you think they want to stay close to home or do you think because they've been cooped up that they want to get far away? <laughs> you know, it, I don't think they want to get far away. I think that'll be I think you'll have parents encouraging kids to stay closer. Sure. Yeah. You know, especially if there's things like you know, they're going to not have classes after Thanksgiving and those sorts of things, right? They're going to it's going to have an impact. So yeah. it'll be interesting. That's a good point. Yeah, I always forget about those little those little tweaks. Um, you know, it it will be interesting too, just to see. You know, we're seeing it with all the as schools are releasing information about cases and tests and whatnot. I'm curious to see if we see just like a kind of like a rash of test results here at the beginning, and then by the season, does it kind of calm down? Um, I don't know. I feel like NC State's done such a good job so far just with how they've handled Zoom and just communications in general, and they seem to have a good plan. I'm I'm really hoping that we don't have to deal with, you know, we're, we're one of the schools because we don't have, didn't get that, you know, cohesion with the staff really beforehand and get a bunch of spring ball that I think the one thing that could really hurt us at this point is if there's just like a never-ending four or five guys getting COVID on the team during the next right. month and a half. You know, one of the things on our notes was Clemson broke out with COVID and they had 30% of their players or 30% of the players tested had it or athletes, I guess it was some of the other sports as well. And <laughs> the general consensus is Clemson was doing it the right way. Just like get everybody sick, right? So have somebody who's sick and get them in the room and sneeze on everybody or get it out of the way, and so you're ready to go in in the the fall. The other side of it is what state's doing and being more cautious. You know, maybe they'll be the last one standing. Well, that's <laughs> I kind of I kept kind of thinking I was like, you know, there's two ways to go about this, right? You either yeah. get it now and hope that you're the only ones that are available to play, or I mean, I, I still don't even understand how they would do this during the season. Like, what do you do when someone coughs on somebody in the game? Like. Uh, I mean, I, you you either just have to basically say like we really care about you athletes, but we don't because we need you to play football. Um, yeah, you know. Yeah, we need your TV money. Yeah. yeah, but you know the thing I I guess the one I'm really interested in is are all these tests are they asymptomatic? Are 
you know, are these, are these guys Uh actually sick? Right. Because they're, you know, the flu is really detrimental to your heart actually. And I'm super curious to see, I mean, long-term, you know, what does this do for respiratory systems and things like that for athletes in particular? Do you see like, do you see guys recover, you know, recover from the, from coronavirus and then, you know, you actually see their athletic ability diminish somewhat from, you know, as a game progresses. I mean, it's unknown territory, I guess. Yeah. I think these guys are elite athletes. So I would imagine the impact is going to be uh, minimal. If you compare them to Joe Schmo. I don't know. Maybe they turn into Joe Schmo after, you know, (laughs) that's true. I can hope so for Clemson's sake. Oh my God. That was, yeah. I mean, I shouldn't wish that upon anybody, but I was also like, I was like, I hope Travis Etienne, you know, can't breathe through the third, fourth quarter, please. <laughs> so, buddy, a buddy texted me and was like, you know, if we don't play this year, that means Trevor Lawrence goes pro next year. We don't have to face him again. Oh hell <laughs> yeah! Like, you won't see me crying, <laughs> right? <laughs> I, I mean, I know That's no one wants to, to hear that. It. Yeah, no one wants to hear it. But long term, the probably the best thing is for a state to not play football and. Uh, let us get healed up and guys graduate. That would be uh, that would be great for the division. Can you imagine the trash talk that's going to happen? As like you're a defensive end, like I got the COVID, man. I'm coming for you. Oh, I'm coming God. for you. People, I'm going to lick you. I'm just going to be some really look foul stuff being don't, said. Don't you remember how yeah. dirty Clemson was in games? Like doing stuff just yeah. at games, grabbing people, doing all kinds of weird things. The yeah. I am positive everyone is going to be coughing on the ball. It's going to be, there's going to be like a thousand COVID cases after week two. (laughs) Like it's happening. Yeah. You know, thank God we get that one day, two day advantage down there in in Louisville though. (laughs) Yeah. So state Louisville got bumped for a horse race. (laughs) Now, Granted it is the biggest horse race in the world, but the Kentucky Derby, they don't want to have any, um, Impact, whatever, with the crowds and all that jazz. So State in Louisville is going to play on a Wednesday. So I guess that's week 0.5 or I don't know what you're going to call it. But. Yeah, I guess. Do do we – are we the first game or – I'm sure there's a game before that. There's always a – well, I guess not. They might not because it used to be the uh, – was it the Southern kick, Classic? There was a kick – no, it's like kickoff class or something. Yeah, the Southern Classic or whatever is the one that's always the the um, HBCU game in Memphis. I forgot who's the two schools that play, Jackson State and Southern or something like that. And they canceled it this year. Oh, don't. So we might be the first ones. No. The first game is going to be Marshall versus East Carolina and California versus UNLV, according to this. Okay. We are so, one, two, three, four. We are the seventh game of the season. Perfect. But we are the kind of how I like it. Yeah. We're the first like actual football programs. Sorry, East <laughs> didn't, didn't really mean to do a shots fired there. But uh UCLA and California don't count either. So mm. oh, agreed. God. Well, if we look really bad, we could be like, well, we missed two days of practice because of this. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> we missed all of spring. I don't know. It'll be interesting. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I have in my notes here is the, AC- the ACC puts out their um, top 30 <laughs> players coming back this year. 
and not a single one from the Wolfpack. Like, I really believe they sometimes forget we are in the league. I would forget about us after last year, though. I mean, other than Zonovan. I would want to, but. I mean, who would you put? I would put Zonovan Knight. Alim McNeil's the best defensive tackle in the Yeah, in but, the like, that's the thing is, like, that's the kind of position that they always defer to whoever the primetime teams are, right? If, if, yeah, it, if it involves sure. line play, it's like, you you tell most of the media is like never actually, you know, coached or analyzed or played the sport. Um, oh, I think, do we lose? No, I'm here. Okay. We're talking, so I was, <laughs> I'm, raise, I'm raising my desk, so I put it on mute for a second. Oh, man, look at that. You know, what, what do you got there? You got an uplift, you got a V2. What is that? I have a Jarvis. I've had the standing desk for a while. Yeah. Um, I just ordered Jarvis got bought out by some other standing desk company. It, it's fun. Yeah. It's bamboo. It's big. Goes up and down. Well, I ordered, I ordered the frame and motor for mine, but I'm going to build the yeah. tabletop. So, yeah. um, what was I even, what were we even talking about? I, I, I thought for a minute we Top found 30. a lost connection. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, actually, you know who I would say it would be if it was my top thirty who I'm gonna who I'm interested in from an NC State perspective. It'd be like Iki Aquanu and Knight, right? And yeah. yeah, I guess McNeil. I think the thing is like I need to go back and look at McNeil's stats. It, it's it's weird. Last year was so bad. Like it's just really hard to even focus on anyone's output. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Put in Aleem McNeil. I know everyone keeps bringing up Aleem, so I mean, I must have just like clawed my eyes out by the second quarter of every game and stopped looking. I mean, he was he was dominant, and everybody. I mean, he graded out the highest of any defensive tackle outside of the Clemson kid, whose name I forgot. Yeah, and he was Iron Ball mentioned All ACC by Pro Football Focus, so he must have. Yeah, and wasn't Icky all a freshman All American? Yeah, Icky. <laughs> like, I mean, Icky really was. Come on now, you could see you could see it with Icky. So like that's kind of why I'm like, yeah. I, now I get this too. I mean, thirty. Now were they doing it by like um, they were trying to fill out a, a, an offense and a defense? You know what I mean? Just picking one. Yeah. Okay. Probably. Yeah. Well, I'm sure there's like 14 know, uh, UNC players on there because they're the greatest yeah, seven win right. team I've ever heard of. Uh-huh. Oh, other thing that happened. Interesting thing. Well, depending on your side of the fence, but Jeffrey Gunter decided to transfer out of the program. Now, the transfer itself is not a big deal, but he transferred in from Coastal Carolina, sat out. Uh, everybody really had a lot of positive things to say about him. And then his transfer out was, it's kind of a weird situation. He like randomly says, um, he randomly put this thing on Twitter and said he was leaving. And I commented on it and I just said, I retweeted it and said, Hey, this is a strange one. And he didn't like that so much. So he reached out to me. He responded to it and said, you got a problem with that? Or he DM me or something. I forgot how the conversation started, but we ended up in the DMs talking. And I was like, I told him, I like, dude, I, I wish you well. I was like, I just think it's strange. Uh, I don't know your situation. And, you know, the rumor was that he didn't like the transition to the 335. And everybody knew if you're, you know, you have a pulse, you knew that was kind of 
that was BS or something else. Well, he said it and, was BS too, didn't he? Well, yeah. So then he goes on and tells me he's a big state fan. He's like, I'm always, I've always been a state fan. I always will be a state fan. He's like, but there's, you know, he told me there's something morally wrong in that building is what he told me. And, uh, basically he got into it with a coach, I, you know, a new coach, his position coach is gone. I don't, I don't necessarily know. Um, I didn't press him for details. I asked him, you know, do you want to, you know, expand on it some more? And he, he didn't. And, but basically got into it with a coach. We we knew it wasn't the three, three, five. And I don't know. It's strange. He went back to coastal Carolina. Well, that, so that I was, wish him well, but so that my understanding was because mostly any place he was going to go, he wasn't going to be able to get a waiver. And so by going back to coastal, he was able to play right away. And I'm guessing mm-hmm. it was familiar. And I thought kind of throughout the whole thing, he always wanted to be relatively close to North Carolina. So it kind of, it kind of makes sense from that standpoint. It's, I don't know if it's ever happened before, but um I think the thing that just sucked as far as I was concerned is like there were a lot of really, really good reports about him as far as like what he is doing on the practice fields. And um, I don't think state's in any position to lose people. I think the defensive line is pretty thin. I think um, if you ask the defensive coordinator, he would tell you that and not as thin as safety, but apparently safety is an issue too. So, um, you know, there were just a couple transfers that I think that hurt more than anything. And I know the answer will be, well, you're backfilling and, you know, there's there's people to step up. But I don't think there was anyone of like Gunter's caliber that was sitting there as a primed contributor that left. Right. Right. So that was weird. Um, I guess it's natural to happen when you have that big of a shift in the coaching staff and um I, you know, I, I don't know what what every what everybody's story is, right? The the old saying is there's, there's three sides to every story, his, theirs, and the truth. <laughs> I, I imagine that's probably uh, applicable here. So interesting, nonetheless. Interesting that he's really defensive on Twitter. <laughs> well, I will say one thing. Yeah, I kind of I noticed a couple of comments that he made, or someone was just talking about transfers in general, and and he had you know, basically said like, look, you don't understand, you don't necessarily know what the player's situation is or whatever. Um, and I mean, I, I kind of wish sometimes players were a little bit more open on Twitter like that. Just kind of, you know, making, I, I think it's just a lot of people just don't understand how it works inside of a program. Um, and yeah, there's going to be those dynamics that, rub people the wrong way. I mean, like, let's call it what it is, right? Uh, just, was it Justin Jackson? Who was it? Um, who, I'm trying to remember who it was. T.Y. Savage. Who, who's Savage27 on Twitter? Is that Justin Jackson out in, on the Chargers? Defensive tackle? Uh, Justin Jones? Possibly. Yes. Jones, that's what it Justin is. Jones. Yeah, Jones. Yeah, yeah, Sorry, sorry. Yeah. Um, and they had, uh, they had like recruit, they had mentioned something about the defensive line or something like that. And, uh, you know, like someone accredited Dave Doran for development and he was like, nah, that was, uh, you know, that's thunder. And it was just like one of those things where you're like, why are you even saying that from a PR perspective? But two, then you're kind of like, well, why are you saying that? What's the story? You know? And I think a lot of people don't realize it's not always rosy between the head coach and every player or even, you know, their position coaches. Um, it's not always easy, I guess is what I'm saying. 
Yeah, shit flows downhill, right? And it also flows back up. So if, you know, when somebody's giving credit to Dave Dorn for developing players, he's giving credit to the the program, right? So that's, you're just being nitpicky if you're going to say, well, it's Thunder that did it. Like, no, you know, Dorn put Thunder in place or kept them there, whatever you want to say. Yeah. And, you know, that's why that, that's why it comes out like that. But people have a tendency to take those things the, the wrong way. But I think times are changing. I think we're going to see less of that coach speak coming out of the players because of what's happening in society right now, right? You've seen it with Florida State. Their players like, no, that whatever Norvell said was BS. And now the Mississippi State running back said, hey, I'm not going to play. It's a thousand-yard rusher. He's like, I'm not playing – if this state is going to have the Confederate flag on their flag. And the reason I bring up that guy is because NC state plays Mississippi state in week two. So they better start getting to changing that flag. If they want that kid to play. If, if if you had bet me that um, Mike Leach's player would make a dramatic statement before Mike Leach said something crazy during quarantine, I would have lost a lot of money. (laughs) Yeah, I I agree. (laughs) And it's the same thing you saw with Oklahoma State with Chuba Hubbard, Hubbard right? He came out and was like, you know, this is these things are not okay. Um, he was critical of the coach, and these, these kids are going to band together in that regards, and they're going to have a voice. So, you know, maybe that ends up with us getting less coach speak and players speak. Oh yeah, I'll, you know, all the the generic lines we're so used to hearing. Maybe we don't hear those anymore. Maybe that's the positive that comes out of all this. Is that people actually have a voice in some of these things? I don't know, I don't Evan. Know we don't have a top thirty ACC player, so uh, that's right. Nobody's going to ask them. No nobody's going to put a microphone in front of the number thirty-one player in the ACC. That's for sure. We joke. We joke. Um, yeah, no, you're uh, right, man. Speaking of, yeah, speaking of not having top players, uh, <laughs> one of the things Will and I were texting about recently was Bill Connolly's preview. I didn't read it, but g- give me the lowdown. Not good, folks. <laughs> um, basically, it was he summed up the running backs as there's talent there, but it's young, and Ricky Person's always injured. Um, and the offensive line, you know, obviously had a bunch of injuries last year. It's got some talent with Aquanu um, and a couple of guys, but again, inconsistent because of injuries. Um, it basically was like wide receivers can catch the ball, but there's nothing special about them. Um, based on last year, seems true. Uh, knocked the underperformance of Hockman and Leary, but recognized that they're both freshmen at least. Um, and then basically was saying that the issue on defense isn't necessarily a lack of ta- talent, but it's a lack of experience and and veterans. So, you know, kind of highlighted that you've got a lot of young linebackers. The you know the the DBs and safeties are very thin. Um, it, it just basically painted the if we're not healthy, it could be rough from a high level perspective. Now he usually goes much more granular when he does his like 125 foot program in preview. This was just the high level shots at the Atlantic division that day. So I didn't even look at the coastal cause obviously, you know, UNC is going to be great. <laughs> you know, and I have, uh, you know, the previews with those things, if you, look at last year's box scores and look at our roster 
people are going to look at it at surface level and say, yeah, you know, they're missing this and that and the other. I don't think they take into account that there's still a lot of talent on this team, you know, more talent than we're used to seeing. There's a lot of talent at the running back position. Knight and Houston alone are good. And then if Ricky person is healthy, which having not played football for a year should be pretty healthy, right? I mean, these things are, there's a lot of talent in these positions. It wasn't necessarily the running backs that were there or that were disappointing last year. It's the offensive line was, was young and beat up. And now you, you're bringing these guys back. And I think if you put all the pieces together, there's a little bit more case for optimism than all of these previews looking at pieces. Of, hey, they don't have this. They don't have that. Like, sure, you don't have, you know, five uh, All-American offensive linemen, but you have some good guys that have played a lot of football that can, you know, they can hold their own. And I'd get a little bit more experience under their belt. And I, I think that makes a difference. And that that applies to a lot of positions. The wide receivers didn't look great. Well, the quarterbacks didn't look great either. So maybe maybe the quarterback improves. And all of that lists up everything else, right? So five, so five days ago, he did a little Twitter thread on NC State. And basically, he was like, as it turns out, when you cycle through three young quarterbacks, three running backs, and nine offensive linemen, your offense is probably going to stink. The running backs were pretty efficient, all things considered. But the pack desperately needs a quarterback to step up. The offense was state's worst since 1971. The D, it's worst since 2009. Pretty good pass rush, and run D was horrid, but injuries at cornerback meant super soft coverage. Linebacker core should be great, but there's turnover at DL and DB. Mm. So there you go. Back backpedals a little bit and kind of fixes what you know what is missing from that. And, and I think that's a little bit more accurate. There's pieces there that that can commit can make a serviceable defense there's pieces there are going to make a serviceable offense now it doesn't mean it it still means leary's got to be better leary's got to be good and you know it still means the secondary's got to stay healthy but there's enough pieces there that i'm not super concerned with them just being a total dumpster like they were last year yeah i think what i want to see is Good decision making out of the quarterback. Just, just don't just. We can't have as many interceptions, or at least early, you know, first quarter, second quarter turnovers. Um, and on the flip, we've got to see better tackling, and we've got to see, um, you know, more turnovers on defense. And part of that is we played so many young guys last year that were constantly in bad position and couldn't take advantage of it. But I mean, I just want to see consistency from the quarterbacks. And, and eliminate erratic bad decisions. And I'm hoping that that they're able to do that. It's just, I'm just really parking my expectations low because they only got five practices and I just don't really know how much you can truly accomplish on Zoom or, you know, I don't know if Terman right. and those guys were, you know, finding local players to go at least throw the ball with and, you know, work on concepts with, you know, I don't know, but I will say this again. I feel like all the, the you know the Zoom conferences and the things that the snapshots we got into the program during the the quarantine made me think like this program is well run. Everyone's saying and doing the right things. They look and sound like they're being accountable, and that's the one edge I think we can get over similar programs. I guess on our slate. Yeah. Right. Is that I have more trust in our guys to do the right thing. I think in the past, the issue was we 
didn't have all the horses. And I agree with you. I think we've got horses now. They're just, they're just young. Yeah. You know, the Taj Boyd came out with analysis on Devin Leary and I thought it was pretty good, but his main takeaway was, Hey, the guy competes at a high level all the time, right? They're getting blown out and he's still grinding. He's still playing hard and he's got the talent, right? He was so impressed with some of the throws he can make and just the ability he has that the more experience, you know, things should, should get better. Now, again, who's, what are they, what have, how have they been practicing, right? That's a big question mark. I just going to think experience and time are going to be your friend here, right? Things kind of settle down. You've been in the program. You, you understand how things go and maybe a new quarterback coach can, you know, talk some other sense into you. So I don't know. Or just be a, you know, I mean, I, I know it's not a hundred percent Tim Beck's offense because, uh, you know, I've read a Doran interview and he was like, well, you know, Tim's going to do some stuff he's never done before and we're going to do stuff we've never done before. So, ah, yeah. oh God, I hope they just let him fucking do his job <laughs> and, you know, only take the pieces that make sense, I guess, to, to keep. I just don't, I don't want to see a hodgepodge thing. I want to see a cohesive vision with Beck. That's all. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't like, I know what statement you're referring to. I heard that too. And I, I don't necessarily like that from Dorn. I think I was hoping he would have learned a little bit more than to try to have an quote NC state offense, but we'll see what happens there. I mean, if it's Beck saying, Hey, I've been watching the the film and I like this and I see how I can incorporate it. That's one thing. I don't want it to be like, Hey, you got to make a J Sam player. You know, that it's right, not like we right. tried to do that when we didn't have the guys. And sometimes you just got to recognize you had a once in a generation talent in, in Jalen Samuel. So you can't keep trying to recreate it. I know he made things work, right. but come on. Anyways. Yeah. Let's talk a little basketball. We'll come back to football. We have some questions we should look and answer. Um, Kevin Keith recently had a podcast. I actually have, I listened to it and I actually pulled a couple of clips from it. So I'm going to play this one right. It's two minutes long. I'm going to play this for you. And moving on to kind of what you got going here at North Carolina uh, State, you lose your top two scores off of last year's team, but you return four guys who started at least 15 games last year. Uh, what were you be expecting? Uh, what what type of step forward will we be expecting from Jericho, Manny, uh, Devin, DJ coming into the season? You know, I, I like my bunch. Um, you know, I've got a great recruiting class and five freshmen who are going to be good for them who are from the state of North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And then, so what I've told everybody is we've got a mixture mixture of, you know, freshmen and upperclassmen and some guys who are veterans. And so when you think about Manny, think about what he did as a freshman, you know, led the ACC in shot blocks and one of the best shot blockers in the country. Mm -hmm. I think he'll even get better. Once he gets better offensively, you know what you're getting from defensively. Jericho had some really, really good games for us. He started a lot for us. Um, he can make shots. He's a kind of a one of those hybrid forwards. Um, up until he had that nasty fall at Wake Forest where he had the concussion, you could make an argument he was playing the best basketball. And then when you look at Devin Daniels and how he finished the year and how great he played and his confidence grew and he started being one of the most coachable guys on the team, 
Um, he's one, he'll be one of the better guards, in my opinion, that's returning in the ACC. Uh, DJ Funderburg, though he didn't have a great year as far as, um, you know, shooting the basketball from the outside and his assisted turnover wasn't great. Uh, one of the best offensive rebounders in our league. Um, he also is a guy who's capable of being a double-double guy. And so you can just go down the line and, and, and who wants to leave out Braxton Beverly, who is um, you know, one of my favorite guys, can really shoot the basketball, didn't shoot it as well. Um, this year because I think he was a little bit tired and his back was bothering him. But, you know, he's a guy who started, you know, as a freshman when we went to the NCAA tournament. You had transfers like Thomas Allen and uh, Darion Sebron, who nobody knows, who was sitting out last year. Then I like the team that we're returning, and I like our opportunities this year. And then I was going to add, Darion and Thomas were going to be the next up in the, in the questioning, is, is, is how how are they fit in into what you already have with their, you know, length and versatility and, and – and, play creation ability? Well, Darion is 6'7", and uh, what I like about him is he can play several positions on the floor. If you want to go small, he can be a four-man. If you want to play a big point guard, he can play that. Um, His versatility is what we don't have. He's super athletic. Uh, He's a guy that, uh, as his shots continue to get better, um, he could be a really good ACC player. And then Thomas brings um, experience. when you think of Thomas, um, you think of Braxton Beverly, a guy that can make shots, uh, a guy who's capable of playing um, the one or two. Um, he is a better defender than he's given credit for. Um, Thomas, I didn't say that, so if you hear this, don't listen to that. <laughs> um, but he has a chance to be really good, but he's also a, a guy who can be a veteran in the locker room. Mm-hmm. And then- I think <laughs> Keith's covered it right there, man. I think that was a pretty candid – response on hey what's what is your team bringing back i thought that was interesting uh, that's from the absolute basketball podcast with jamie shaw ecc champs i feel it <laughs> <laughs> i mean i like what he said about thunderberg he's like yeah is he's he can be a good player right he didn't he didn't shoot it great but he's got it he's got it subtle and, motivational shade there yeah, there's a quite a quite a bit of it, man. I, I really thought that was a really good, um, just breakdown of all the guys and what to expect. And I think to me the most intriguing is Cibron. Yeah, you know, if you have a six seven guy that can handle the ball and you know play around, I mean that's that's not something a lot of teams have. I think that's that's interesting there. Yeah, it's um, um, it would have always been interesting to see what it would have looked like with Josh Hall in there too. But um, yeah, I think yeah, I guys are all. Really- I didn't pull it. I didn't clip it. Sorry that um, there was. He said something about Josh Hall. So he asked about that question. He was asked about Josh Hall in that podcast, and he essentially says, "Hey, we're pulling for him. Yeah. Like we talked to him the whole time. We were clear through the process, and you know, there's there was nothing." fundamentally wrong with how Keats handled that. And he basically, he broke that down and basically said the exact, exact same thing is, this is a good decision for Josh Hall. He can go make money, let him go make money. Um, we would love to have him here, but that's the best decision for him. Good for him. And I thought that was a, a really good response. Yeah. And I think the thing is you say that too, it encourages people in the future to know that, you know, he, he's not going to burn you if you make that choice. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, if they're smart, they're going to always attach themselves to LeCue and Hall and, 
who cares if they never played yes. there, right? It just says, look at the ta- look at the eye I have. I, you know what? I'm so good. I can, I can, my, just my talent of evaluating you gets you a leg up to go to the NBA. I mean, they can spin it however they want. Like, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we have some more basketball stuff, but we'll come back to it. Uh, women's basketball, Ace uh, got a contract, professional contract for a team in Switzerland. Uh, I was kind of surprised that she didn't get a shot in the WNBA. I guess she's not the biggest or the fastest, but she's a ball player, man. We've we've seen how some of those you know, guys and girls who just have it, that it factor – can succeed. I thought somebody would give her a chance. Yeah, it um, it was surprising, but um, you know, I, I I get it. I'm glad that you know more than it's it's always important for these folks to like have an opportunity, and I'm really excited that she gets to continue continue playing, and maybe she will turn some heads and fight her way back into the WNBA. I'm curious. I think the WNBA is probably women's sports in general maybe have been hurt pretty hard with uh with covid it would be um you know just advantageous not just for all sports to get back but um i feel like you know their momentum from at least some of the folks i follow on twitter seems like yeah. they were worried that it kind of like hey this is going to set back the sport a little bit the longer this goes on and you know it's obviously not funded the same way as the nba so you know they got to be able to dig through this time. Um, but yeah, I was just jealous because we were supposed to be going to Switzerland for a conference slash vacation in a few months. And that was canceled, obviously. So I'm glad yeah. that it's one Wolfpacker can get out there this year. Um, in other basketball news, they hired a new assistant, Mike Summy. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of you guys don't know that name or wouldn't know that name, but I know that name well. Um, Mike is very good friends with one of my very good friends and I've known him since his time at NC state, since he was a manager, video guy. And I was, I was amped when I, when I heard he was getting a job and because you know, this guy loves NC state, like he loves it. And he's, you know, he's an NC kid. He grew up a state fan. And he's worked there. He's worked his way up. He's learned under a lot of good coaches. And when you talk to him, and he's always been this way, right? You hear his interviews that he's done on some podcasts, but he's always been this way that when you, you know, get him going, man, he gets going. And like it just, it just keeps coming. And it just, you can tell he's super passionate about basketball, but he's super passionate about being here. And I, I don't know like necessarily how that connection got made. I hadn't heard that story yet, but I think it's awesome. I think it's a really, really good person, a really good basketball guy to 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 be on that staff, right? I think one of the criticisms Keats has always had is that he's he's looked for his his assistants or his high school guys that he's worked with and hasn't had that um tactician right or that bobby lutz right everybody gave bobby lutz a lot of credit under godfrey some he's got that basketball brain man and uh, i was amped to see him get hired so i think it was an awesome hire um personally but also high, awesome hire for uh keats yeah so, and i would say uh, y'all like him 
Yeah, the the IPS podcast between James and Summy was really good. Um, the thing that yeah. I really liked hearing is, um, you know, he thinks he's really good at teaching guys to be better at shooting, which is something that yeah. I think we all would love to see some more consistency. And a lot of his thing is really is that is, you know, make sure they're catching it in the same spot every time, doing the fundamentals, you know, he seems at least the way he was talking, he seems like one of those guys that's able to like have that conversation with a player who says, yeah, I shoot the same way every time and him be like, no, you don't and break it down, teach them how to be more consistent. Cause I think that's just one of the things that has held state back. I mean, when he was saying that in the podcast, I was like, Oh my God, what I would have done to have him here for Markel last year. Um, And you know, he, yeah, (laughs) Uh, he, it just sounds like a good hire. Um, so that podcast is on the on iTunes or wherever you get your your local podcast. So I would go listen and, and hear the guy. He's got a good story. Just seems good. Yeah, I I used to work the Herb Senate basketball camps, and somebody was there working them as well. And you know, <laughs> I I tell this, told the story before I think on the podcast, but uh, one summer Archie Miller's in there, and he's. He's in there shooting on the gun. This big funnel thing there. It catches all the balls that you shoot and shoots them back. And it keeps count of how many you how many you've made. We watched Archie put up 403 balls. Wanna know how many he made? Take a guess. Take a guess how many he made out of 400. It, he, he's just by himself, right? By himself. Okay. Yeah. There's no uh, obviously taller guy in front of him. I don't know, like 320? 384. Oh, <laughs> never forget that. 400 balls. He made 384. And we're sitting there watching him do this. I'm like, holy cow. It's too, uh, it's too bad he's a yeah, so like, coach. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, Archie. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, but yeah, like, you know, so somebody's there. He's been around for a long time. And he's he's seen some really good shooters, some really good players. And he's learned under a lot. I mean, that that staff with Sendak had a lot of good coaches. Um you know, Sean Miller was on that staff as well. And oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah. Good hire. Um, you know, speaking of Sean Miller, uh, the NCAA is dropping the hammer on some people. Um, not Arizona this time. Oklahoma State gets banned from next year's tournament. Does anybody care about Oklahoma State basketball? Uh, apparently, their like, number one player was like, I'll stick around. Um, Isn't that crazy? That's so crazy. I can't believe you glanced over my Idaho. No, you didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Idaho just got a a COI, or actually, no, they just got their penalties. They're on probation. A a coach has show cause. Uh, They they can't have the the, um, uh, basketball operations uh, manager. Like, that person can't be on staff for over a year. And it was all for some, like, horse... Uh, you know, I've made it this far without cursing. I'll keep pushing through for some horse crap stuff as far as NCAA is concerned. So, I, you know, if I was in any school, I would just look at this and be like, why would I ever deal with the COI with the, with the committee? Uh, just, you know, yeah. assuming state doesn't get, you know, sent to the dark ages by this independent commission. I would, why would anyone cooperate with the NCAA? I, I don't get it. They're, they're making it. I, so they won't, you know? Yeah. I don't get it either. It, I think what's what's really weird is that the Oklahoma State, it, the top, I think he was top player 
or top recruit, right, decided to, that he was going to still go to Oklahoma State. Now, they hired his brother on the staff, so that had probably something to do with it. Oh. But these kids don't care that you don't play in the tournament anymore, right? It's not – they can go pretty much anywhere and still end up getting paid, right? If you're good, you're good. Like the Anthony Edwards kid from Georgia. Like Georgia hasn't been in the tournament in God knows how long. Yeah. It doesn't matter. He's, he's still going to – he goes there, still going to make the league. Still going to be one of the top picks. I'm telling you, I think college basketball is in a really weird place. That's the Chuba effect, man. He just wants to stay there and see Chuba. Yeah. That, that's that's what it is. <laughs> Kick and play too. No shit. Yeah. Um, oh man, there I, I missed it. I, I let my expletive go. Sorry. You ruined it. You ruined it. All of the ACC coaches turned into women on Twitter. I, I saw that, but I didn't engage on it. I don't. <laughs> it was so disturbing really that I it. just. Yeah. There were a couple. Where I was just like, "Oh my god, oh, it, yeah, it's too close for comfort." Um, yeah. I saw the Nick Saban one. I was like, "Nah, I don't care about this." <laughs> yeah, not close, close Twitter again. Keats was so um, disappointing that I, I, you know, I was really hoping for a little Vivica A. Fox action. I really thought they were going to glam him up. So I'm, I'm sure Keats probably yeah. is going to have a word with somebody about that. Yeah. Um, there's a big wrestling commit. Yeah, I don't know enough to speak on that. I saw that um, really good wrestler committed. No surprise that program's uh, cruising right now. So. Good that, stuff there. That program is just proof, though, that you can be great here. You just need to get the right person, and you got to support them the correct way. And uh, that's all. Oh, I mean, same with yeah, same with swimming, right? Yeah. I, I keep pointing to swimming. Brayden Holloway is just hey, he's probably my favorite coach because his line is like, "Just water's wet. I just need a pool, man." Like, and he can recruit to that, and he did, and he's built a powerhouse for swimming program, like. I love it. I, I love that mentality. And I think that's, you know, it's proof alone that you can do that, do it here. Um, got a bunch of questions. Uh, pack recruiting. Mike, sell me higher. Yeah, we talked about that. If there's a basketball season. Who do you think will be in the starting lineup? Uh, quickly, I'd say Wait, uh, Coach Manny Funderburk, Daniels. Uh, yeah, Coach basically Helms. just went through the five. Um, I think Helms will be a starter. Uh, I ask, yeah. Hello. What do you think? Do you think they'll break up Manny and DJ just to keep their minutes spaced? Maybe. Uh, it depends if he goes with the four, yeah, four guard lineup. He might, he might spread them out. You know, Braxton and then Tom Allen probably rotating, and then Sebron in there. It's going to be a lot of guys getting PT this year. Yeah, I guess I think the more interesting question is, you know, start of the season is Devin Daniels the point guard and. I guess that's what I'm kind of curious yeah. about because he reminds me, um, I can't remember the kid's name from Georgia tech last year, but the guy that just played like, uh, you know, played 100% the whole time and Alvaro, right? Yeah. Alvaro. I think that's who it was. Right. Um, yeah. I really think if you don't have like an elite point guard, you just need someone who tries, tries, tries. And that's the one thing, you know, Devin Daniels always will do. And I really like that comment from Keats about his, him being the most coachable um, and him coming back too from the draft experience, I hope you know has was a positive experience for him too. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Wolfpack Rob asks, Will Gibson, Jay, Jalen, Jay Gibson, get a lot of playing time this season? How does he compare to Josh Hall? I don't expect him to play that much. Yeah. Um, he's a six ten. For lack of better comparison, and I, I know this is going to come off weird, but Kevin Garnett was an uh, elite talent. 
but he's a tall guy that can play all five positions. I think that's what you get with Gibson, yeah. albeit he's a little bit raw. So the better comparison is probably Marcus Melvin, right? Marcus Melvin was a tall guy, could handle the ball. He could stroke it from deep. Um, I, I think that's what you'll see. I don't think you'll he, – I don't think he'll be needed that much this year. Um, but in that – Jamie Shaw podcast, there was another clip that he talks about the the new guy, so I'm going to play that here. And then with those four freshmen from the state of North Carolina, Cam Hayes, Shaquille Moore, Jalen Gibson, Nick Farrar, what can you tell us a little bit about uh, how you're expecting them to come in and kind of affect uh, the program? You know, I, I love all of those guys because, and honestly, I think they all bring something different to the table. Uh, when you look at um, – uh, Shaquille, and, you know, he's a guy that's electric and can play the one or the two. Uh, him and Cam Hayes, as you know, played together at AAU, and uh, Cam's exceptional, you know, did a good job playing over at Greensboro Day. Um, he's guy. He's a guy who, you know, we'll look at as playing majority point, but you can also move him over. Uh, super athletic. Um, Shaquille, as you know, athletic as he can be. Uh, those two guys could be a heck of a backcourt at some point during their career here. And then, you know, uh, when you think about Nick, um, you think about Nick, it's probably one of the most underrated guys in the country. Um, you know, I think during the John Wall, people saw how good he could be. Uh, when you score 93 points in three days, um, I think people learn about you. But he's a tough matchup guy because, you know, he's six six can kind of play some four and three and has a chance to be really good. And then late, we're excited to pick up um, Jalen. Jalen Gibson's got a chance. Um, you know, he's long, he's athletic, um, he has perimeter skills, he can really shoot it. Um, once he adds a little bit more weight, he's got a chance to be really good in this program. So those five guys, uh, those four guys, and then I want I don't want to leave EB out because he's not from um, North Carolina yep. because we love him. Um, we think he's an underrated guy who also can play some four and five fours, block shots, and as his offense develops, he could be really good. So when you add those five guys, I like the team that we have. Uh, of course, you know, we signed um, Josh Hall, who is going to be a tremendous player. Um, we wish him nothing but best and good luck in the draft. And I, I certainly hope um, he gets that opportunity to show people how good he could be one day. Again, I think Keith's broke it down pretty well there. I think that's exactly what you expect to see. I forgot he had such high praise for Nick Farrar. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what these guys, you know, what they're asked to do and what they can contribute. What I, what I like what Keats is doing right now, and it's been a valid criticism before, is that he wasn't – his rosters were yeah. questionable. Mm-hmm. Like He's bringing in guys now that don't have to play, and so now in theory you can redshirt these guys, right? I mean, Sebron got to redshirt, whether it was his choice or not, but – you know, these guys coming in, you know, Farrar might not have to play. Gibson might not have to play. And then you're building depth farther down the line. You're building, um, you know, more stability in the future. And I, I really, really like that. I think that's that's a big win. It's also just good to have bodies, you know, um, and not having to rely on – boy, I'm, I'm going to complete – who is the white guy with the ponytail? That's – that's how much I remember of this kid. <laughs> not, I mean, not you asked me, Walker. Walker, Wyatt Walker, right? Yeah. I mean, like, no offense to those guys, but like these guys just look like they're oozing more talent, and uh, yeah. you know, it, it's I don't know what to expect, but I mean, basketball's 
the sport I think you can contribute the quickest, um, you know, as a freshman. So, yeah, you know, it's just good to have those guys. I just, I don't know, man, every time I hear Keats talk, I just get more excited about basketball. It's, you know, this is what it must feel like to be a UNC fan. Uh, I can't wait for Keats to have four guards that can run and shoot. Oh my God. <laughs> right. But I mean, that's what he wants to do. Right? He wants to run a four and one. I just closed I, my I eyes. I cannot wait to do it. And just jumped on it. That's man, desperate for sports, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Mahesh, glad to have you guys back. Glad to have you back, Mahesh. You never updated us on how all your interviews went. I hope they went well. Yeah. Um, Tell us. Compared to. Compared to where we were recruiting-wise, I think this is football-related. Yeah. From the last podcast, what do you guys think of the momentum we've gained these last few weeks? We kind of talked about that already. Positive momentum. Uh, still some gaps to fill. Uh, I think there's been – and, you know, I think we're going to have James from IPS on or maybe he'll jump on over there. Uh, but we'll talk a little bit more about recruiting. But I think one of the things that I would be cautious about or I'm particular about is – you know, running back recruiting. We talked about defensive line recruiting. Where are they going to go with some of these positions? I think there's a long way for that to settle out, but the after effects of not landing Shipley and putting all your eggs in that, you lose out on Pryor, which, you know, he wasn't ever coming here, but also Travion Cooley down the road who committed to Louisville. And really, you don't really have a, a running back on your board, you know, nearby that is. A, a good prospect, right? Or I say good prospect. I mean, likely to commit that right? you're in good standing with. I think that is a, a real concern. But I think the overall momentum has picked up a lot. And we're in a place right now where, you know, in theory, you don't lose your running back. So it's maybe not a huge deal not to take one this class. Uh, I'm sure they will, but. Yeah. I mean, Sumo it has been, uh, Demi Sumo yeah. has been working on his grades. Um, uh, here's the thing. I think if he didn't land Houston last year and him turn out to who be a surprise, I'd be worried about running back recruiting just because of just general depth. Yeah, three guys. Yeah, you know, if person stays healthy, we get what two? We get this year and next year with him. I think if I remember. Um, you, you know, like yeah. Sometimes I am kind of curious about this staff when they go so hardcore all in and with like a Will Shipley and then it doesn't even seem like we were really even in it. If When you really look back on it, um, you know, so we'll see. I I think once we start playing football, all of a sudden that board shook up. I mean, Demi Sumo, they, they like him. He seems like he's capable of kind of, maybe more valued because of his ability to catch out of the backfield. So I don't see anything wrong with that. Um, right. I, w- I was going to say, what was the, pos- I was thinking of a position other than running back that I was concerned with tight end. Um, yeah. Tight end. A guy we were just, I've seen people say that at UCF. So yeah. Um, no, made. <laughs> yeah. Tight end is one of those positions that you could probably fill a lot of guys can flip into a tight end or, um, you know, basically the way we use them is to block. So oh, I think that's Carrie I'm not Angeline. super concerned about it. How over under? How many yards carry Angeline this year? I think we did this early in the year. Let's. We're, I feel like we're in a better mood today. Uh, over under seven hundred. What do you say? Oh, shoot. 
<laughs> uh, I'm gonna go under on the 700, but he's gonna he's gonna get a lot of touchdowns in the goal line. Is my guess. Over under eight touchdowns. I was gonna say eight. <laughs> I guess I got to go over to protect my brand here. Nine touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's gonna go over 700 yards. Um, touchdowns are hit or miss because they, they can go to anywhere. But why would you not throw? He's gonna get the yards. <laughs> I just almost oh, did that last year too. So yeah, I don't as know. Long as, as long as Ottenreath is healthy, there is no reason that Kerry Angeling should even be blocking anybody. Just spread him okay. out and let him go. All right. Um, other question. Do you think Eric McDaniels running back out of Hopewell, Virginia? I, I honestly have no idea who that is. I looked it up before the podcast. Um, I'll ask James Henderson about that one next week or next time. I think that'll be a much. I can I can call my power uh, plant give you much out better. there and ask them. <laughs> right. Uh, also, defensive line recruiting seems weak. Are we looking to get a true nose guard, two gap player? Uh, what are defensive end good fits given they are switching to a three man front? Uh, would they convert defensive end or a player like Jabril McNeil to a buck position like Peyton Wilson? Lack of recruiting in twenty and twenty one on the D line is concerning. Yeah. So defensive line recruiting is. Uh, you got Trevally Price, which I think to me is one of the one of the best players on the board. I think he's really good, um, and just by yeah, not even my own eyes, just what everybody else says about him, uh, I think that was a really really big pickup. I think if you have a guy like Jabril McNeil, he probably grows into a defensive end, three three five defensive end. Uh, I think that'll. It's always hard to project those things, but. You know, I, I think given the bloodlines, I'm going to assume that he he wouldn't stay at linebacker. Um, I think he's super important, but I don't. I have no idea where he stands recruiting wise. Yeah, um, there's also a big player coming out of Huff. I think um, is it Huff or Hugh? Yeah. I, I I always assume it's Huff. Hugh. Oh, oh I man, I don't know. Huff, you, you tell us, readers. Um, <laughs> Uh, but there's someone that's connected, I think, to uh, Mario and Sean um, that uh, was liking some stuff on Twitter recently that gives me an indication that maybe we're in really good standing with him. But he's a, a, a 22 prospect, I guess, is what it would be. But um, he's going to be a big-time player, so keep your eyes on that. Um, yeah, I mean, Jabril McNeil, I mean, if you're looking for nose guards, I mean, that's the thing. is like, I just don't know. I don't. And, uh, you know, I, Marquise Brunson is, has been talked about, I guess. Um, I, I guess what I would say is just it's so weird not having camps, you know, right now. Yeah. The, you know, the, the way the cycle typically works is, you, you know, you're no-brainer guys that you've been, like, really hard, you know, going after hard. You'll get them early in spring. And then state always focuses on pulling dudes out of camp. They really want to see guys in camp. And – you know, that, that's just gone. That, that, that tool for them is gone and they're, it's going to put a lot of pressure, I guess, in the fall to, you know, once they reevaluate and shuffle the board, um, you know, they're sending out, like, it seems like they're offering a defensive back every 30 minutes, but I don't really follow um, or see any movement on a defensive tackle. So I don't know, maybe they feel comfortable there. I don't feel, I don't know. So this is, uh, this plays into what, Cam's question as well is basically, are you landing your, are they landing their main targets? And I think more or less they are mm-hmm. at this point, 
And I don't think they're in a hurry to just fill in, right? We obviously know they, they want to take another defensive lineman, uh, probably a, a nose. And I think they're going to be patient about it because I, and I think that's probably the smart move too because with all the uncertainty, we already talked about all the decommitments that everybody is projecting. I think there's going to be a lot of movement, man. And I think it will be smart to have those positions open. Yes. And not just take somebody just to take someone. Because say somebody flips from Tennessee and like, hey, I really you know, I want to stay home. I want to go to Chapel Hill. Hey, sorry, dude. We don't have any spots unless they kick somebody. Right. And, and that's a bad look, man. I, coaches don't like that when you start booting their – high school coaches don't like that when you start booting their players. And I think the smart approach is to take it easy, you know, not force somebody in unless, you know, he's high on your board right away and you know he's going to stick. Yeah. I mean, I think from their perspective, the, you know, the next key recruit is Jordan Poole. And then, you know, kind of after that, you know, they really want London Cooper who's on the offensive line and like Jabril McNeil. But I mean, it really is just kind of, open it seems um and i think you made a really good point there there are going to be so many decommitments and there's going to october is just going to be wild is what i'm i expect and in december too right um and and here's the thing right everything changes if state has a good season if if they exceed expectations or if they come out the gate hot you'll see guys you know coming on board more so than than normal but yeah i'm just looking at the at some of the recruiting boards and i mean yeah i mean marquis brunson is the only defensive tackle i see for example so yeah hopefully this jaden take kid's good um i know he's a bit undersized but um they obviously liked him and you know I think he like, skips leg day i'm gonna tell you that much he, he skips <laughs> if you look day. Pictures, oh, yeah he skips leg day look at his pictures man he is top heavy apparently there's some video of him squatting like 600 pounds or something yeah but man his legs look super small compared to the rest of him yeah he really seems strange. he seems like he is a um a little bit of a package deal with Travali, but yeah. uh that's fine yeah. i don't care uh you know louisville south carolina uh, price is that good yeah, I mean, that's yeah, that good. You take that. Yeah, yeah. you just got to take a risk. And the thing is, like, he can long snap. He can do a lot of stuff. And that's why I'm not really super worried. I know a lot of people freak out. I mean, now I don't think he's Nikita Whitlock, who was basically the same size coming into Wake. But, yeah. um, you know, that's probably the one position I'm not too scared about. You know, anyways, what's our next question? Uh, I think we answered all of Quentin's questions. He rattled off a bunch of them, QB battle. Football, 21 recruiting class. Uh, baseball draft picks, that's a good one. Patrick Bailey, we had a bunch of guys. They all went to the Giants, I think. <laughs> Patrick Bailey got drafted 13th to the Giants. Um, yeah, I was pretty high. But then, um, God, the name slips me. The other kid went to the Giants as well in the second round. Um, I'll look it up for you. Yeah, I was pulling something else up because the next question is, it's been a while since the IPS posted their State of the Program podcast about football. I mostly agreed with what was said, but the boards thought it was too negative. Have any thoughts on their podcast? Yeah, and I, let me, I'm going to pull it up too because I, I I did have some thoughts about it. And to me, oh, you, you, yeah, about the podcast. 
Yeah, I'm going to pull up my um, my comment about it. I, I think they were a little bit negative. I don't know if it was necessarily um, – it just might have come off wrong because they're inexperienced podcasters, and I think it's hard. People don't understand how hard it is to, like, get going and, like, feel like you can – free flow on the mic. Now, I'm not saying that we're experts by any means, but at this point, if you listen now to where we, when I started this with Dustin, like we were like, um, guys, uh, how you doing? You know, like super nervous, super like just apprehensive about it. And I, I think some of that came off in their, um, in their podcast. I don't necessarily, I think they might've been a little bit negative, but, I thought they were just being um, honest and, and um, what, what's the word I want to say? Not Frank about it, but um, you know, they, I, I did not disagree with anything they were saying. And I knew a lot of people want a positive off season kind of podcast, but I think they were just trying to be um, genuine kind of in what their concerns were Um and we just had a super negative podcast a month or two months ago, whatever, you know, so it's, yeah. it's easy once you start snowballing, I guess is what I would say. Um, yes, it's super easy that once you, you know, you start going down that path of not, um, you know, of, of being negative and kind of being dark about it, not balancing it out. And I think that's really where they left off is that they didn't balance it out with the the positives, right? There is some positives to it. It was a lot of a train wreck. I can't, we can say that, right? We can talk about that freely, but there is some positives there. And if you don't point those out, you run the risk of, you know, just saying, Hey, everything's bad. Everybody sucks. This is all for nothing. Um, I, I don't, so I think that's just where they missed out. Um, I mean, to me, I, about I don't think it was Chris bad. John. Yeah, kicking game got a lot. Turner, you know, Gill, you know, um, I just I thought it was a not. I thought it was just a fair podcast, and it's it's frankly, I, I feel like that half the time is um, until I see otherwise. I shouldn't expect a huge change this year, just because there was so much change this off season, and we didn't get to to get spring ball uh, beyond five practices and. If you look at any interview of the coaches right now, they all say the same thing. We just don't know what we have because you're not in the room with them and you're not, you're not sure if a concept is really getting across. So, um, I mean, I, yeah. I, I just didn't think they did. I, I thought people overreacted to them, if, if, you, if we're to be honest. Uh, I mean, it's going to happen. Um, Exports here. They'll get better they'll get better about, um, you know, being able to have that conversation. I don't think it was necessarily, uh, I just don't think they highlighted enough of the good things that they talked about, you know, uh, Evan's just trying to juice. Yeah. You're just trying to juice, um, download numbers for your first episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Do not go back and listen to all of Dustin talk about Matt Canada. (laughs) Oh my God. I, maybe we should, maybe we should earth off some, some, some gems from the Canada era. 
there was a lot. I, I really wish I had the time and desire to go back and pull some of those clips. There was a lot of Huxtable 8 for seven, eight years. Well, that's the thing. Um, who who does everyone hate now, right? You don't have Huxtable anymore. So who do you who do you think? Okay, who's the coach that everyone hates this year? That's a good question. I don't know. Do you think Roper they- probably? <laughs> yeah, if the if the running backs fumble one time, <laughs> it's kind of yeah. Roper's fault. Yeah. We don't recruit any running backs, and then somebody fumbles. Roper's going to be—he's going to be enemy number one. The, I mean, the person because of their depth, it's safety. You know, like those those guys, the DBs—they're going to probably get the the worst of it, right? Because oh, you're not turning your head, blah blah blah. You know. Yeah. Um, here's what I said. Maybe realistic, but unnecessarily heavy. Having done this podcast for five years is hard. Covering NC State is hard. It's okay to point out negatives, but balancing those with context is important. Uh, something we're always working on while trying to maintain honesty. I mean, it's basically what I said. Like it's they they didn't balance that out very much. I thought they were a little heavy. Oh. I think the floor for this program, which was the uh, I think the big conversation on that podcast, yeah, was the floor should be seven eight wins. Yeah. Like I, the ceiling is win the Atlantic. You know, if you can't do that, then why even try? Right. And I think this seven, eight wins is realistic given the schedule, given the resources, given the talent. Um, you know, I, I think that should be the floor. I, that's my view of the program. Um, so <laughs> your, your best comment was ripping them a new one for their audio quality and internet connection. <laughs> oh, I mean, seriously, which coming guys, from if you're, you, if you're going to record, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, mine's fun. It's just a hit that records sometimes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> if 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 you're doing a podcast, the most important thing is audio quality. People mm-hmm. put on headphones and listen to it really closely. And if you're like recording over Skype or you're recording like freaking Pack Pride podcast, they used to put it on speakerphone and record it that way into a mic. I'm like, oh my god, this is the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, that's- like it, there's so many tools out there that allow you to record locally, so you don't have to record over Skype. Then you know that I think that there's no excuse for it. I mean, Anchor is free, and they let you do it now. So yeah. anyway, yeah, get a get a good mic, and if you got a bad internet connection, go somewhere else and find free Wi-Fi that works better. Um, I think that's only right. what drives me nuts on a podcast. It's just when people start clipping out and it's okay if it happened yeah. one or two times, but when it's consistent, it's just like, you're going to have to redo the whole pod. Yeah. There's no reason like our audio won't clip out because our, both of our sessions record locally. So while it might be dropping out for Will and I, the audio records on our computers and then they uploads and puts them together. Right. So there's no chance of it ever going bad. We could record over a tin can you know, it's just, that's how, that's how it works. That's how it should, you should record a podcast. There's plenty of tools that let you do that. Um, Alec asks, are we going to win a national championship this year or not? Yes, absolutely. In something. Yeah. He didn't have to qualify it. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, it could be football. If we're the last team standing without COVID and nobody else can play. I mean, by, by de facto, we are the national. You champion. know what's going to happen. We're, we're going to, we're going to beat Louisville and then they're going to cancel the season. And we're going to have the only HBC yeah. win. And you damn know it. We are putting up that banner. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Like the, like Florida state did. Right. Oh, yeah. heck yes. I, we would be fools to not jump at it and get the free marketing out of it. Yeah. The best program in North uh, Carolina. <laughs> undefeated in 2020. And then like ECU yeah. somehow beats Marshall and they're like, we, 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 we won a game too, guys. <laughs> Come look at us. Uh, last question. Do you put ranch on pizza? Mahesh, like, Put what you want on pizza, man. I, I'm not one of the pizza snobs. Some people like all sorts of things on it. Oh, yeah. I occasionally like to dip my pizza in ranch. My son, my five-year-old, he loves dipping his pizza in ranch. I don't, I'm not going to hate on it. Ranch is good, man. You can put whatever you want on a pizza. Pizza yeah. purists, I don't like that. I don't like that. Yeah. I'm not about that. One of my, uh, one of my favorite pizzas is a uh, buffalo chicken uh, pizza Ooh, in my local neighborhood pizza joint and uh, with chicken hot sauce ranch and mozzarella so yeah you can put ranch on it we we really like putting uh, red uh, red pepper flakes on on pizza it really just adds a nice kick to it man 100% I, people please it's just pizza dudes I mean as long as you get good pizza I don't care what you put on it if you if you got to eat something from like Domino's we gotta have we gotta have a questions but that's that's broader topic. Yeah, we've made a lot of pizza, pizza during this uh, pandemic. My wife's got really into making the dough. So at every any given point, we have eight dough balls in the fridge ready to go, <laughs> and it's awesome. Like we've we've made some really good pizzas, man. Well, I used to work at Gumby's. current favorite. <laughs> you used to work at Gumby's? Yeah. Oh man, yeah, I <laughs> I was a pizza delivery guy and and pizza maker there, and uh, yeah, so. yeah. I feel like I've seen enough dough balls in my lifetime, but there is something satisfying about seeing just a nice, perfectly risen uh, ball of dough and then uh, turning it into oh, pokey sticks and killing somebody probably. So, you know, that's yeah, it's delicious. We made a lot of pizza. If anybody has some pizza making questions, let me know. I can put you on, put you on some stuff. <laughs> and folks, that is it. An hour and 20 minutes. So pretty normal for us. We'll record again at some point in the future, right? I, if you made it this far and you like your pizza questions, somebody let me know you're still listening. Um, other than that, I hope everybody's doing well. Hope everybody's staying safe, not being stupid. Yeah, you know, just, just, all the all the good stuff. Just wear your masks, folks. That's all I ask. I think if uh, I don't even want to get into it, we survived this podcast without going too deep into it. So. Thank you for all the questions, guys. I'm glad everyone was actually really excited, and it definitely got us motivated every time we would even joke about doing a podcast and people would ask. So, Yeah, I, I enjoy these things. Uh, we'll, we'll get with James. We'll record one here or there at some point, and then uh, we'll come back as we get some more news, as things start coming in. I think there should be plenty to talk about as far as recruiting and then are they actually going to play football, you know, those sorts of things. So. Uh, yeah. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. As always, go pack. Go pack. And then with those four freshmen from the state of North Carolina, can My soundboard's all messed up. I want to dance by water beneath the Mexican sky. Drink some margaritas by the blue lights. Tell me about those.